0: Alright, today we have an amazing guest. Our guest is the one and only musician, Christine DeColene. Uh, me and her, I were pretty good friends. I had her feature at my latest uh, music showcase, and she rocked the house. She's such a great player. I'm excited that I had her here on the podcast. We had a great conversation. And I got to say, the song she played for us, or for me, I would say, but for us, because you will be listening to it soon. It is amazing, alright? And I'm not being, you know, um, I, don't, I don't, you know, it may sound like I'm, I'm using hyperbolic uh, language, but let me tell you something. It is fucking good. It's called More Than a Friend. And you know what? Listening to this song, I could totally relate to it, you know? You're like, you're digging somebody. You're like, hey, yeah, she, she has potential. It's like, yeah, I really want her now. But it's like, nope. Sometimes a friendship is all she's looking for. And vice versa. Sometimes all he is looking for is friendship. Maybe a little something else, but, you know, us guys, we're dogs. So, oh, totally went there where I did not want to go. It's a great song. It's super relatable. And that's something that's a common theme in her music. It's all relatable. The stuff that she sings about, I feel, not just women, but in general, people can really relate to. And that is why I asked her to be on this podcast because... I think she's a great person, great to know her, and it's great to see how she works. And I learned a lot from her. And uh, I think it's stuff that I might actually use in my own songwriting. Gotta look at things a certain way. Anyway, before we get there, I just want to remind all you beautiful people, thank you for listening in. We are 53 episodes in, and I have a feeling we have a long way to go. The... uh, Website is going strong. Please check out the website if you haven't already. gemspodcast.com. You can hear the latest episodes and you can see the latest videos I've made with musicians. They're called sound sessions. And other good stuff like photos of the guest. You can check that out on the podcast. Another good reason to check out the website. Please subscribe to the JMS podcast whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher or any other podcasting listening hosting site you're you're listening to me right now uh, because it matters it matters because I like to know how many people are actually paying attention to this and therefore I could see a good good direction I could take the podcast also I'm curious to know how many people are listening to this I'm sure quite a few of you because I'm still I'm still running it <laughs> so I, people, I'm sure there's a good amount of people listening in and I want to say thank you so much thank you for your support and everything please follow my podcast on Facebook as well, and Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I think it's those three things for now. And, um, yeah, if, if it sounds like I'm tired, I am. Uh, yesterday I went to San Francisco, I checked out the woman's exhibition from, um, and L- okay, she's, she's gonna kill me. I've already checked it out. I'm gonna look it up now while I'm talking, actually. I went with my gal. And, uh, well, we're not really officially together, but I'm calling her my gal until she tells me to stop, because I really like saying she is for my gal. And we check out an exhibit at the Presidio. It was this photography exhibition of, uh, this famous photographer's career, um, photos. Yeah, that was a weird thing to say. But the thing is, like, she, let's see, I'm looking at her right now, and, um... She's fa- mostly famous because she photographed famous people for covers of, of magazines such as Rolling Stone and um, Vanity Fair. The reason her, her name is a little complicated why I'm looking it up. Oh, there we go. Because it's, it's it's like weird Jewish name. Her name is Annie Leibovitz. Did I say that right? Leibovitz? Annie Leibovitz. She had the Woman New Portraits exhibition. And, so, and I really dug it. I really loved it. I really loved it at first I was a little skeptical going in because I was like you know what all these are famous people like how good is someone's photography if all they got is famous people and it's a bit of a novelty you know what I'm saying but then the more I looked at it the more I realized you know what you could replace anybody in these pictures she could put some Joe Blow the way she frames her pictures the way she uses patterns in the background and it will still be great photography and for me, that really hit me. I was like, "That—that's it. That is the difference." Because for the longest time, I didn't really believe in people who call themselves artistic because they're into photography, right? Because I was like, you know what? Like, photography—almost anybody can make look something look beautiful with the right filter, with the right um, camera lens, and. But then look at this exhibition, I was like, you know what? It takes more than just that to really consider yourself an artist in photography. It, it, it's almost like looking at it as a painting itself. You really got to consider the framing of it and the design of it. And I'm looking at her pictures and I'm like, oh my God. Like, it's one of those things where you go, she put a lot of meticulous thought to taking this one picture. That says a lot me I recently did get into photography like a little bit I'm dabbling in it I'm not sure if you guys knew but I have a photography and poem blog and it's a Tumblr account you can search for Watch Tower of the Rising Sun that's right Watch Tower of the Rising Sun on Tumblr where I take black and white photography and I write poems like very small poems of how I feel about what I took and after the exhibition last night I was like you know what there's so much more I can do with it it was very inspiring so if anybody's interested I highly recommend to check out the woman's exhibition by Annie Leibovitz in San Francisco totally worth it and I definitely took a lot from it so there just had to say that just had to say that and on that note let's go talk to Christine De Colleen and before we get there I'm gonna play one of the songs that she recorded already And this one is called Jack. So let's take a listen. How have you been just right there
1: i've been doing pretty good yeah enjoying this sort of spring summery warm weather mm. beautiful california can't complain
0: you know what i just found out i went to the doctors and this whole time i didn't think i had allergies but when this time when i went around like get yeah you got allergies how did they know they looked up my nose ah. i know isn't that weird <laughs> they, 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 they can
1: tell just by looking
0: yeah and this whole time, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not one of those people that are allergic to stuff." But like, now, oh, I'm one of them now. Okay, that's cool. I guess.
2: That's awesome. Are you
0: allergic to anything?
1: Uh. Pineapple. Really? Just mildly, mildly. makes my tongue quite swollen. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm not I don't get anaphylactic shock. No, or oh. nothing like that. It's, okay. it's just sort of mild.
0: What if you get pineapple on your skin? You get like hives? No, it's no?
1: fine. Also, if it's cooked. It's fine. It when it cooks the acidity off, it's the oh. extreme acidity. My mouth just like shrivels. It, I don't know.
0: So do like citrus fruit also mm-hmm. play like make your mouth numb?
1: Only if I were to if I were to eat a lot of oranges, that just I don't eat many citrus. Mm. I like it in my water though. That's yeah. fine. It doesn't bother me. Just in little bit.
0: Wow, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, very strange. Now, the human body,
0: Christine. I want to actually start because I think it's funny how life turns out when we first met which was not music related um, uh, yeah you give me that yeah, you you give yeah, me that yeah, face yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I remember what was it I want to say it was ages about, ago yeah I want to say it was about to four years ago <laughs> would say four
1: maybe five five maybe possibly because I was still in school and working at Starbucks I remember because I would I was yeah when I hung out with Sam, Sam. And so Boris Sa- and them. I, I, yeah. used to Sa- and Boris. Yeah. I used to work Sam at Starbucks still back then.
0: Right uh, at, at the homestead, right, mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, I yeah. remember because it was funny. Um, let's see, because I remember. Let's see, five years ago, uh, my longtime girlfriend broke up with me, and I was like in Aww. such a bad, bad state of mind, and I was hanging out with Sam Amador, and I think Boris went to Ukraine for some reason, I, so he wasn't there. So just me and Sam chilling. And we, I, we just got to work. I had like my, my stupid work clothing, uh, Cause me and Sam go a long way back. And me and him we used to work together. And I, I remember he's like, oh, I got a friend coming. I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> then, then you popped in. You know, I said, the, 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 this gorgeous blonde comes in, right?
2: I was like, oh my god, <laughs> no.
0: And then, I, I, for some reason, I, all I can recall was like me being weird, cause I was like in a bad state of mind. And I was like, oh, and then eventually like you left. I'm like, oh my God, I creeped it out so bad. This is bad. This is bad.
2: Oh, no.
0: Flash forward now. Like I was in two years ago. I see you playing music. I'm like, wow, she is really good. But I feel like I know her from somewhere. And sure enough, uh, you go, oh, yeah. Sam Amador. I'm like, oh, no. She remembers. They like, I guess you didn't remember. And I, 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 like,
1: I do vaguely remember. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> it was a while back, but I remember. You remember? I don't remember what we all talked about though. I don't remember any specifics.
0: I I, I remember dogs being one of the subjects. Dogs. Yeah,
1: what?
0: I maybe mean, I mean, going like, yeah, because I was so depressed. I was like, yeah, Aww. fuck dogs. <laughs> and you're
1: like, no, they're great. It's
0: like no, they're awful. Really? I said that, something like that. Why well, did, okay, you, did okay. you like dogs, or would you not say I'm, that?
1: I'm in, I'm partial to dogs. I like dogs, partial. but oh. uh, they. They aren't my favorite. I'm a cat person. You're a cat person? I'm a cat person. But I do like dogs.
0: Maybe you just tried to, like, you know, be like, okay, this guy is being too depressing. Maybe I'd say I like dogs for the sake of not making this conversation depressing. Because I'm pretty Trying sure... Trying to be the optimist. Yeah.
1: The eternal optimist.
0: Yeah, I guess. Because I, I was like, you know, dogs, all they do is fall in love and they chase people around. But at the end of the day, what's wrong with them, dogs? They're so dumb. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are. Yeah. Some of them are extremely smart. Yeah? I saw this thing online the other day. It's a dog somewhere in an airport, and it it smells the lost items on the plane, and then it runs through the airport to find who they belong to. I was just like, Really? how, how does this dog do this? This dog is a working individual. It's amazing. So
0: it is actually employed by the airport.
1: Something to, like that. To sniff
0: people's luggage mm-hmm. and, and see... Who it belongs to.
1: Exactly. Well, it's not luggage. It's like if somebody left their, you know, iPhone or their glasses or something in the plane. Really? It smells it and then it runs, 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 like before they even leave the airport So there's to get them their lost items.
0: And and there's nobody like with a leash with it. So if you see like a dog running through the airport, it's like, oh man, he's on a mission. He's going to go find the owner.
1: Yeah, no, that's what the video is. It's just like, oh yeah, here I go.
0: Oh my God. It's great. That's very fascinating. It's like, because if a dog comes up to me and like just starts barking, I was like, what's wrong with this dog? I would never, in my, in my head, will be like, oh, he... Fu- what's that, lassie? What? Oh, my <laughs> phone's in the, in the airplane? Okay. I'd be like, okay, someone get this dog out of my face, like, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. How would you respond to that?
1: I don't know. I think if I looked down and I was like, oh, dude, that dog's got my phone. What the heck? <laughs> I think I'd be really oh, confused.
0: it grabs your phone mm-hmm. and it yeah, takes yeah. it to you. It has
1: like a little... I don't know, a little sort of bib it wears over its back, and it uh-huh. has little pockets for the items to go in, and they they give it to him, he smells it, and then they put it in the pocket, and then he runs and finds them.
0: And the bib Phenomenal. says, airport dog.
1: Something like that. <laughs> Something like that.
0: Well, you see you're more of a cat person, huh?
1: Definitely. Definitely. How's
0: that working out for you?
1: Oh, pretty good. Yeah? I've got two kitties where I'm living now, and they're just spoiled rotten. Yeah. One's a little poofy girl, and then the one that sort of bonds with me more is the boy. So we got Sophie and Charlie, and Charlie looks like a little black panther. And mm. I'm just in love with them. He's he's like the light of my life. When I come home from work after a long day, and he's just all excited to see me. I scoop him up, and he purrs and hangs out with me. If I lay down, he's bound to just climb right on top. He's a love. He's a little love.
0: See, I think that's great, but I feel like you need to have a tough skin to own cats emotionally. I feel.
1: Yeah, they can be pretty moody. They can be right. They can be sassy.
0: Yeah. Like, I I remember uh, when I lived with roommates, so I had two Korean roommates, and they had a cat, and it was not my cat, it was just theirs, I didn't mind it, that the cat didn't pay no mind to me, I am like, oh, you know, once in a while I fed it, once in a while, but like, one time they went to Korea, and I had to take care of the cat, for like a week, and since the owners were not there, the cat gave me attention, like wanting attention from me. And eventually eventually, it won me over so for a good days me and that cat bonded we we cooked meals together Aww. we we slept together not in that way but like we slept in the same bed together yeah. we, super cuddly yeah we cuddled you know it woke me up in the morning it'll lick my face it'll palm me it'll go catch mices for me and like for me i was like and because it did that i was like oh my god this, cats are awesome like wow and when sh- they
1: like you, they're awesome, right? Right. That's what it is. For a
0: good week, I had like this great fling with a cat, <laughs> and when my roommates returned, that cat ignored me completely and went back to its owner.
1: Oh no! Cold shoulder.
0: Yeah, totally. And I felt so used. I felt so. I was like, I can't take this. My God, that cat totally broke me. Broke up with me <laughs> this way my, the same way my ex did. Isn't that weird? Christine, oh, no. what is it with you? Every time around the you. The women and the cats. Women and the cats. Oh, brother. For both, you need to have a tough skin, right?
1: I think so. I'm
0: just kidding. I think for so. For men, too. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, yeah. Totally.
0: We're, yeah. I think it's both sides. Cats. But with dogs, though, they're like, they're so dumb. You could just love them forever. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, for me, I, I see a lot more dogs now working. I work at Google as a receptionist by day for mm-hmm. now, and they're a dog friendly campus so people bring their dogs by my desk all the time it's kind of fun Does and it kind of got me more comfortable around dogs too
0: oh so you were never comfortable around dogs before
1: i i was sometimes you know if they were a you know a pretty friendly dog but if they like to jump up and lick i, I don't want a dog licking my face that makes that just makes me so uncomfortable i don't right. want dogs, like, dog I, slobber it's like dude i need but there's space a lot more littler, i need space here littler dogs kind of pretty friendly dogs because you can't really take a you know, a, an aggressive dog to work with you if it's going to be, you know, barking at people and barking at other dogs. Right. So it's all these cute little friendly itty bitty dogs, and I just love them. I like the little ones that are like cat sized. Cat ones. Cat sized dogs.
0: The ones that are best resemble cats. Okay. And nobody brings their cat to Google.
1: Oh no! But I've definitely, like, thought of that. Oh. Bring it, your it would, cat. It would not be. It would not be good. What? They're not. They're not allowed to bring cats, um, just because of the nature of the animal versus dogs. Right. Because usually cats don't get along with the dog so much if they're a new dog. Right. And they—they're bound to just run away and go hide under something. You'll probably so, lose them.
0: So when you get home from all these dog stuff on you, like, do your cats go crazy?
1: No, they. I feel like I don't hang out with the dogs enough for that no. to happen. But if I go to someone's house and the cats rub their face, that's how they mark you with right. the scent. Right. And so if they smell the other cats on me, they do get a little jealous.
0: You know what, jealous
1: that, kitties. Yeah, they do, huh? Yeah, it's like it's like another analogy with the lady and the cat. She's like, "Do you have someone else's perfume on you?" <laughs> oh no! The cats look at <sighs> me like I've been a traitor, been right? Hanging out with all these other right. cats and giving them all the love and attention,
0: right? <laughs> all right, Christy, I want to move on to your music because that's what awesome. you're here for, right? Yes. For your music, um, I saw you perform. I want uh, for Scotty. That was the first time I heard you perform. Can't be for Sky at the, at the open mic. Yeah. Fun
2: you, times.
0: Okay. How long, you, how long did you... Tell me your backstory. Let's start there. With music? Yeah. Where was the, the moment when you saw music as an interest?
1: When I was... As soon as I was, you know, old enough to talk, I was trying to sing already. I think when I was about five or six, I said, Mom, I want to sing the Cinderella song for the talent show. And I did all by myself. I sang the song called "Impossible." I still know all the words.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and back then, you know, you couldn't just look up the lyrics and download an MP3 like we can now. We had to use a. We had our VHS tape of the old Roger and Hammerstein version from, I think, the '50s or '60s. Mm-hmm. We taped it with the cassette player. Somehow, my dad hooked it up so we could get a cassette version of it. And then me and my mom sat there and listened to it and listened to it until we had all the lyrics down. And yeah, that was sort of my first performance experience. I had never, wow. you know, I did dance and stuff when I was real little, but it was the first time I was like, I want to get up and I want to sing in front of people. And not a lot's changed since then. Of course, you go through all the awkwardness of, you know, growing up and going through puberty and stuff where you get all self conscious. Mm-hmm. But I've always had the drive to sing and perform for people.
0: How was that talent show? How was that performance?
1: You know, I I remember it very vaguely, but I do remember being on stage and I had a little broom. It's like sweeping back and forth during my performance, dressed as Cinderella, and it was good. I think I I've, I've been really trying to find the video of that because I would just love to see that. <laughs> um, but I haven't found it yet. I will let you know if I find it.
0: Okay, good.
1: Um, but yeah, it was good. It was and, very good.
0: And it seemed like your family was fully supportive. You know, they, yeah. they helped you out. Yeah, they're they
1: they're happy too. They're
0: happy, uh, and. So then, from Cinderella, you moved on to... Let's
1: see. You know, I did chorus when I was a kid through school. Um, Mm. I went to a Catholic school, so it was very... um, Oh, wow. A decent budget for music and art.
0: Which Catholic school did you go Um, to? I went
1: to St. Justin's School. Where's that at? It's on Homestead Road near the Santa Clara Library.
0: In Santa Santa Clara. Clara. In Santa Clara Library. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow.
1: Right next door to the library, yeah.
0: Interesting. And you went to Santa Clara University, which is a Jesuit school, right?
1: No, I actually went to UC Santa Cruz.
0: UC Santa Cruz? Oh my god. I I, I apologize for that. That's okay. What did you say? Slug? (laughs) Yeah, that's banana slugs, right? Yes. Banana slugs. Got it. Yes. Okay, how how was Catholic school? Like, from what age to what age did you go to Catholic school? Oh, wow.
1: So, age five to age, I think, 14. That's nine years of schooling. So, it was quite a while. Um, It was good that there was a lot of exposure for me to do chorus and, you know, do choir, and we always had to sing for every holiday, every, every pageant or whatever, the class would have to sing all these holiday songs, mm-hmm. and, you know, even though it was a stupid song, I still enjoyed singing, so it forced me to get that practice and get that exposure to music young. Um, I also do visual art, I like to draw, and so there were a lot of opportunities for me to draw and stuff too, but there's definitely a lot of uh, weird stuff going on in Catholic school. In any kind of religious school, it's always very kind of sheltered, but it definitely doesn't stop the kids from being pretty, okay, um, pretty ill behaved. Like there were a lot of really knuckle knucklehead boys in my class, and then the girls are very catty. So uh, it's typical.
0: It was a mixed Catholic school.
1: Yeah, it was boys With and girls. Boys and girls. About thirty five <laughs> kids. Yeah.
0: Really? So it's a very small school.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thirty five kids for my grade. I'm sorry. Oh. Maybe yeah. two hundred kids total. Really? Or three hundred kids, maybe. Yeah, three hundred kids. So it's kids. like everybody
0: knew each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you guys yeah.
0: stuck it together for like nine years.
1: Petri dish.
0: And and two things come out of that. Two things come out of that of like you make lifelong friends in that environment, or you're like, oh, okay, I'm glad I'm done with these people after. <laughs> Which route did you take?
1: Sort of, sort of the the latter. Yeah. I I kind of I do have the one you know friend I still keep in contact with. I'm friends with a lot of them on Facebook, but we're not close anymore. I don't hang out with any of them. Yeah. But, you know, it's nice to know they're follow them online and make sure they're, they're to see that they're doing well and some uh, of them are getting married or have have kids already. It's yeah, kind of crazy the, the to Pressures
0: on, isn't to it? To realize it. Right? Like for me, like the reason I say that is because I I in high school I took the Avid program, which was we were uh, Avid. Yeah, it's it's some complicated Latin name. I don't know what it was really, but some acronym, some acronym for Alta Vista Student something. I don't know, but point is, it, my avid teacher would kill me if she heard that. I me mean, does not know what that was because because <laughs> the point of that oh, program, all... the, the point of that program was to to start preparing these kids for some high level college uh, uh, applications and entrance. So you start them from freshman year, keep them together until senior year. Hopefully by then. They get to, like, these, you know, big schools. I wouldn't say the best of the best, but we were supposed to be the best of the best. Supposed to, because I was in that. I don't know why I was in that. Anyway, so for four years, we all knew each other. Like, for four years, we had the same class every year. We all, and once in a while, we get some new folks. Some folks dropped out, but not a lot. So we all became very tight. However, once I came out of it, and I totally not do what I was supposed to do. I ended up going to junior college first, which I don't regret. But, like, for, for considering I went through that program of four years, uh, you know, they expect me to go to, like, Stanford or, like, Berkeley or whatever. But, like, after four years, I was like, you know, what? some of these people I really, really, really like. I feel like I got my own path to take. While others, to this day, are still very lifelong friends. Yeah. yeah. And just like you, I, I keep, keep in touch on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're getting married. Oh, my God, they're having kids. Oh, my God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> you know? I get a little depressed that way, but that's just me.
2: Uh,
1: but, I'm, like, the opposite. I'm I'm kind of in no rush to do those yeah. things because it should happen organically, I think. And just because other kids our age are starting to, you mm. know, tie the knot and pop out babies like it's right. like there's no tomorrow, it uh, doesn't mean we have to.
0: And for me, that's four years. I can only imagine how it could be for, like, nine years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it like I said, it's a petri dish for sure. Mm.
0: And what do you feel was the best thing you took out of it?
1: The best thing I took out of it? Interesting. Um, yeah, hard to say. I mean, it's just so many little things. But I think I, it made me realize that, um, you know, I do have a lot of natural leadership skills and that I've uh, got a good head on my shoulders. By the time I finished school, I was doing, like, the, I guess, valedictorian speech. They didn't have a valedictorian for eighth grade, obviously, but they had me and this one other kid write the speech. And I was surprised because, you know, I'd been kind of being a little bit defiant the last few months of my eighth grade. You know, I was just kind of, like, ready to get out of there and was tired of the silly rules and stuff. And the teacher still picked me because she had faith in my writing and that I would, you know, get up there and do a good job. Um, So I I guess it kind of... Overall, it was just a lot of good art and music experience, like I said, and writing. I'm also really into writing. My degree was in linguistics. So I I honestly never would have gotten into that um, field of study without that background as well. They made us diagram sentences and break down grammar and stuff as well. So really, I guess the, the one thing I took away most was just a good education. Even though there was a lot of red tape and regulation and... You know, you had to go to church all the time, and you're, just as a kid, bored out of your mind. You're, cr- like, you know, going cross-eyed, like, list- trying to listen to this priest at 7.30 in the morning when you just want to be back in bed yeah. or eating, a like, a piece of toast or whatever. And you just have to sit there quietly and listen and behave. And, you know, you just want to scream sometimes.
0: And your parents are Catholics, both of them? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, my parents are Catholic. My dad goes every week to church. Okay all that nonsense they, they do uh the they do a couple of the the clubs for within the community like the ladies guild and also he my dad does the knights of columbus so wow. they're pretty involved in the church. very involved that's
0: amazing wow and it, so you that explains you taking that route or at least being put in that route of the catholic schooling
1: yeah, yeah. they definitely wanted me to go to a good school too i think a, a major concern was that i wouldn't get a a good enough education because our local school was really not doing so well at the time. The one that was uh, just a few blocks from our house was really not, um, like, up to par, I guess, to them mm-hmm. at the time. So they decided to send me to Catholic school and get me get me educated, And
0: when did you pick up the guitar?
1: Oh, guitar. H... 13 14 it was my eighth grade year i asked for a guitar for my birthday or for a graduation present or something like that and i that's what i wanted i i liked music and i li- always liked singing but it was very shy about it you know i would be singing in my room and stuff around then but i just something made me really want to learn how to play it
0: Can you just practice in your room
1: yeah, I, le- I tell myself from the internet I've never had any guitar lessons other than, you know, jamming with friends and they show you something Right. Um, yeah, I, I remember sitting there that first night and I looked up, you know, E, A, and D mm-hmm. and I made myself sit there and try and play it until my fingers were nearly bleeding I, I'm just sitting there in pain and I could kind of finally hear the muddy sounding chords right. and I was just so beyond excited I couldn't believe that I was, you know, figuring it out
0: pretty magic though isn't it like I'm a, oh, yeah like I, was, I was similar to that i was like like i'm doing what they're telling me to do but it's i don't hear it it sounds awful and then you get calluses and like but then that moment where you strum it and you're like hey that sounds like a note it's like like you totally forget all that time you struggled like i think it took exactly. me it took me almost a month like it took me a month to really get one proper chord and i you i also use the internet you youtube right? right was it youtube
1: I think back then I was probably just using more, more, like, websites. I haven't really done too many YouTube lessons, but occasionally if I'm trying to do a cover song, I'll look up, there's a lot of people who do, like, YouTube lessons on how to play XYZ song. You know, you just look it up real quick and it's kind of cool. It's crazy that we have all of that at our fingertips now. There's a lot more resources, um, versus when I first started at 14. There's just inexhaustible resources for learning music.
0: Hmm. and at 14 you still played in in your room at what point did you venture out
1: oh okay so my first uh guitar performance was actually not until my senior year of high school so i had kind of you know been a closet guitar player and Hmm. i would tell people Oh, yeah, i play a little guitar but i was so shy about it i wouldn't you know whip it out if we had guests over i'm not gonna play for them or nothing, nothing like that i was very shy and a lot of my friends in high school toward the later years were into like metal and rock and I never played that kind of stuff I wanted to play you know like pop songs mm-hmm. I wanted to play like cutesy pop songs like from the radio or you know oldies like Cat Stevens or Patsy right. Klein or something like that I didn't want to play you know slap like death metal that kind of right. stuff
0: you were more into the and middle- so
1: I never played in front of my friends back then yeah. but something got into me the end of the year they were going to do a talent show called On Soiree and so I went in and I tried out and I did a medley of what it was Patsy Cline Walking After Midnight and Love Fool by the Cardigans Um, and I still play both of those out sometimes but it was the first time I had really practiced my butt off to get the songs down and I was still nervous as heck though I had a lot of stage fright still back then I remember shaking it was two nights in a row and I, you know, it's a lot of people. It was more people than I'd ever performed for. It was maybe a couple hundred to three hundred. Not sure exactly, but you know, I'm sitting there and I've got. I still had my colored hair back then, and I I remember shaking so hard, but I just got through the performance and did well. There's a video of it somewhere on my mom's YouTube, mm-hmm. way back when. Um, but it was like it was a good experience for me.
0: That's amazing. So. The journey you took from first performance talent show when you were three, four?
1: Mm, I was probably more like five or six.
0: Five? Then you go into this long stage of just building up your craft. And then you go to a stage of, no, you know, just in your room. Then the ultimate finale is you come full circle and you're the first time perform with a guitar is yeah. at a talent show. Yeah. How funny Did, were you ever aware of that?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd have thought about that. you know I, I guess what I when I think back on my you know life musically, I've always come back home. you know I, I think of that as home, like being on stage and singing my songs. Um, so even when I was a little kid, you know you're so intuitive when you're a child, especially with art and music and stuff like that. kids just you know go with the flow so easily. Um, they're not told it's wrong or you know wrong or right or how to do it they just do it and that's kind of how I felt again when I made it to high school and you know now that I'm kind of doing the open mic circuit and stuff like that I kind of feel like that again it's sort of like oh I found my place finally
0: mm. and what was the first open mic you went to oh
2: uh,
1: wow uh, it was actually sort of a one-off type thing it was before I you know went out like with any frequency like now I maybe go out once a month or once every few weeks to do an open mic but um, back then I had never done it and it was back when chromatic coffee had been called barefoot coffee oh, yeah. so it was kind of a hip, hip little place to chill you know yeah. people smoking cigarettes and talking about philosophy and I would go hang out there in high school um, and I went I want to say right after I wrote the song I'm going to sing you later the more than a friend song I was about 19 when I wrote it so I guess that was about five a little over five six it was like six years ago I want to say so mm. I go to barefoot and I played that song and maybe one other um, but I was still very nervous and you know definitely holding back a little performing because I was so nervous um, but I I had a couple friends come out and support me and that was fun but I, I hadn't done any open mics again until like last year so it was like a good five six years stagnant no open mics no performance or anything because I was in school
2: mm.
0: And then after high school, after your, your talent show, right? Oh, after that, yeah. I you went to college.
1: Kind of went back to the sort of closet, closet guitar again. I was just sort of playing my room through college because I had a lot of a lot of coursework and I didn't really, um, I guess I didn't seek out any opportunities to perform, really back then. So I was focused w- on school.
0: At what point did you looked at playing music m- more seriously as a career choice?
1: Not really until last year because I think it took me up until then in my life to get the confidence to say I want to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Not just I want to play music in my room for fun, but I want to be a professional musician. And it's sort of... Um, when I started getting more inspiration to write my own music and I've got you know my handful of songs now that I've written and that I take out to perform with me for gigs and, and open mics, it's nice to... Um, sort of have that confidence that I am a musician and I am a singer-songwriter. You know, you don't have to... uh, I felt like I finally gave myself permission to want to do it professionally.
0: That's a key thing. Confidence goes a long way. It's one of the hardest things to attain. But in music, it goes a long way. Who who was telling me? uh, Because, you know, I'm still new at this music thing. So I, you know... And... You know I know that I'm nowhere in the same spectrum where a lot of the, the, the other musicians here are but my friend says hey man do you just go up with confidence that's all you need as long as you're playing chords and, and songs they may be simple and you may not be the best singer but if you go there with confidence that's what people are gonna see then they're gonna see someone who's afraid and they much rather see a guy making performing a shitty song a shitty song but looking confident as, as opposed to someone who's doing a shitty song and just looking shitty in general. Mm. And so I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. But, you know, for me personally, I, you hit a lot of good notions that I think a lot of people in music can relate to. Especially the feeling of, of, of not feeling confident to perform just yet. You know what I'm saying?
1: Starting before you're really ready. Right. You gotta fake it till you make it a little bit.
0: What kind of things you felt kind of hold, held you back to Probably, not go out there?
1: Definitely, like we're saying, just a lack of confidence. Um, and also not practicing enough. I think when you're well-practiced, that naturally makes you more confident because you can hear yourself, um, you know, getting used to how it's supposed to sound, um, get your fingers nice and calloused up, and get them, you know, get them warmed up, get them ready to do what they're supposed to do. Um what else? I mean, for me, it's just sort of getting more training, too. I, I, after I finished my degree in 20, the end of 2012, in the beginning of 2013, I took a couple classes to get over my stage fright. I took it just at West Valley College, great place, um, great music program, if anyone's looking for that. Um, but I took um, public speaking and then also two acting classes, beginning acting uh, and voice and articulation. So the voice class really kind of helped me get a little bit more behind my voice technique where I could kind of improve, hear myself improve. I would, you know, do all these warm-ups during the class. I'm driving home and hearing myself sing along to the radio, and I say, oh, you know, that sounds a lot better than I usually do. Sounds more open. You really hear a difference in um, how small technique and warm-up changes can really improve your, your overall sound. Um, And, you know, the class was for stage acting, you know, theatrical work, voice work. We did accents and stuff, too. Um, But it was cool to apply all those, you know, theories and all that stuff I'd learned, all that knowledge from my linguistics degree and actually, you know, practice all these crazy sounds and Mm. do all these kind of almost like yoga or meditation type exercises to um, get that tension out of your voice and out of your, you know, mental capacity. You're not as nervous after you've kind of stretched it out. And I think it was just, you know, but... between getting rid of the stage fright, actively choosing, I'm I'm gonna get over my stage fright. I'm gonna be confident on stage and feel okay performing. Cause I just had this intuition. I needed to be on stage for some reason. I didn't really know what what it was for. I just followed my gut. It
0: Was like a calling.
1: hmm Exactly. Yeah. Something like that. I'm very intuitive and try to try to listen to my gut when I can. Yeah.
0: And then I wanna go back a little bit because you mentioned your degree in linguistics.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Very interesting yeah. degree
1: yeah uh, fascinating uh, subject
0: tell me more about that was it what, what kind of was it the study of the language or the study of, mm. of, of several languages in a culture and how they worked
1: it was a few things it was both of those um so we did spend a lot of time working with our native language english um, especially as it relates to like sentence structure like word order how everything is sort of this hierarchical structure Um, but it was actually a very scientific, very mathematical type of degree, but at the same time it gave me kind of this just sort of deeper understanding of language, definitely applies to my songwriting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, if, if you had to sum it up in a nutshell, it's the scientific study of language. You look at it and you use empirical methods, you know, you look at the language data, raw language data from people speaking or writing. And then you form a hypothesis about why these things are happening the way they are. And then you, you know, prove it. You say, because of this data, mm. this is what I think is happening in this language. And we did sometimes work with languages I had never even heard of. I won't lie. I, w- I would get this assignment and be like, "What's one of them? where do they even speak that language? What's one of them? Ooh, um... Afrikaans. I had, I had never really. Oh, like the South. I didn't really know much about it. The South before. African,
0: like mm-hmm. okay, got. And it. And then,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, we we really did all kinds of languages from all over the world. I can't even can't even remember, but yeah, it was a, it was a lot of assignments. We would have stacks of paper at the end of the quarter, that we from our expositions.
0: <laughs> wow, but that's amazing. Cause I feel to know someone's language is to know someone's culture. Hmm. You know?
2: Interesting, yeah.
0: Or or even to know the history of someone's culture, because you know the the whole the roots of you know of someone's language can be correlated all the way back to like centuries. And I think I think that's an interesting field. And do you, do you ever find yourself like talking talking to somebody, then you like let's say they have an accent and you could pick up?
1: Oh, all the time. Yeah, I'm yeah. great at hearing accents. Are you? Mm-hmm. Oh my
0: god. I'm awful. I, I I get them mixed up all the time.
1: One thing I have a really good ear for too is the East Coast. So people are always surprised when I'm like, oh, "Are you from the East Coast somewhere?" And they're like, "How do you know?" Hmm. And i It's always even the slightest thing. I can I can hear it. Do it definitely gave me a good ear.
0: Yeah. Do, do you ever like scare them and get very specific in the region?
1: Ooh, like I-, I would if I could. If I if I can tell they're from like Boston versus New York or something like right. that.
0: How about like in the Midwest or something? Nothing Ooh, like that.
1: Midwest. That one is a little bit harder because a lot of the the states sound really similar uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the Midwest starts to sound really close
0: at the same time. Do you feel like it's easy for you to like impersonate them
1: oh yeah i love I actually love to do accents and stuff like that. I have a fun time. I've been doing that since I was little,
0: which one's your favorite
2: mm,
1: I really like British and also just like a good old sort of Jewish New York accent is pretty fun,
0: yeah. Can you, can you say that to me in a British accent? Uh,
1: mm, what did I say exactly? You <laughs> Just can, say something.
0: Yeah.
1: I guess I could. I don't know why not. <laughs> now,
0: now, do you get specific? What kind of British accent? Like, do you get, oh, this is a London accent? No, this is a. Well,
1: with British, there's a couple of things you could do. This is more of an aristocratic sort of. I'm not sure of the region, but it's right. more proper.
0: It's like Downtown Abbey, kind of. But
1: then you could all. You could also. I gotta get into the Cockneys. <laughs> a Cockney one. The yes. Cockney one it's more. It's more in your throat. It's a bit more uh, casual. You can tell they're <laughs> not quite as, um, not quite as concerned with the pronunciation.
0: Right. Right. That's amazing. Wow. That's that's cool. I, I think. It, 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 do you ever integrate that into your songs? Like maybe like in the middle of a song, you break out singing like a, a Cockney. <laughs> I really,
1: I really like that and one thing I I think it's a skit. There's a skit like this on Jimmy Fallon or something And it's basically they'll have the singers come on they're interviewing them and then they have them Do uh, vocal impressions like of someone else. So they'll be like oh sing itsy-bitsy spider like Britney Spears or something yeah. like that um, yeah. So I think that is fun to work that into songs I don't have any songs that I Take out right now and perform that are like that but I have one, like a little half song that I was writing on the beach one day, and it was in a French accent. And so it's like kind of half in French, half in English, and it's like
2: yeah.
1: a play on words because they pronounce the the "i" sound like "e," like instead of, uh, instead of "quit," it'd be "quit e e." It'd be kind of more higher. Oh my god! How, yeah. How's your
0: French accent?
1: Uh, my French accent it is not bad. Wow. Um, that's actually very good. Oh, you, li- you like my French accent?
0: Oh, I, 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 I am a sucker for accents. <laughs> like, like.
1: I have too much fun. Yeah. Uh, but this song is a play on words. It's like sandy bitches on the beaches. So uh-huh. it's sandy beaches on the beaches. Yeah, we feel all right. Something like that. I can't remember all the words, but oh, yeah. and, I got I to gotta keep going with that. It is funny.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. It, oh, so it's not finished yet. No. Not no, finished. not
1: quite, but that would be okay. good to take like to your comedy open mic. That would be great.
0: Yes, that'd be awesome. Anytime. Anytime you want. Check that out. Um yeah, I think um I, I think n- n- another thing with language is I guess, you know, as far as culture, but attraction as well. Like I know a lot of women are like, "Oh my god, hmm. he has a British accent."
1: Yeah, you know, we actually did study that <laughs> did you? we did studies on that in one of my classes we did you know I did some of the sort of language and culture like you've been mentioning um, where you look at you know where your cultural or you know societal um, background kind of plays into the language and vice versa kind of is a back and forth Um, and we did a, a study where we asked people we played different samples to see what people thought and you get to kind of learn what sort of preconceived notions people have based on how you talk And yeah, it was the English and the Australian accent scored very high for both sexes, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny. And then um, Southern, the stereotype,
2: oh,
1: sorry. That's okay. The stereotype was something like, they're nice, but stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty bad. It's just what, you know, what people, Uh, what people voted on our little quizette thing. How how does stupid
0: sound like, oh, I have a Southern accent?
1: I can do Southern (laughs) too. Um, but I like to do more like the Georgia peach kind of southern. Like real sweet. Like they're going to make a cup of lemonade.
0: Right. <laughs> so so it, it, people judge other people's...
1: Oh, yeah. Th- uh, totally.
0: Okay. I could see that. And you said both sides were attracted to the more Western European
1: mm, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loved the, the English accent. And also Australian. It was pretty pretty close.
0: But everybody else, nobody really really were attuned to? Like, let's say Um, someone had, like, a Middle East accent.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I don't know the parameters of our little quiz that we gave people, but I'm pretty sure... I I don't remember what they said about the East Coast stuff. I think mm -hmm. they said that maybe you were less nice, but Mm -hmm. it's very interesting to look at how those kinds of things overlap.
0: So what's your take in our California dialect?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, I love doing a valley girl accent it's just
0: do you feel like that really represents the California no No, I don't but I like
1: I like to do it as a joke I think that there's a lot of different ways of talking but we do have a a notable vowel shift in California Mm. um and so you know we've got a very distinct way of talking we can go all over the world and people like are you from California people will recognize um that we're not, you know, we're not southern, we're definitely not east coast, but they they can hear the shift in our language.
0: Gets us a little more relaxed maybe?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. Could it be? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think the vowel shift it makes it's a little easier for us to say. Mm. It makes the sound it's um pushed forward in your mouth.
0: So, h- how do you feel this helped you in your songwriting? Now, Is it the choice of words or is it the choice of how you pronounce these words when you sing?
1: Probably both. Um when I'm looking at a song and its structure you know if I'm working on something I'll usually have you know the inspiration comes the inspiration strikes and I get you know some assortment of lines and a melody or I'll have the little progression together um, but I look at it almost like a math equation when I'm when I'm making a song I want it to be balanced I want you know the the numbers of lines to be you know a certain way I want um, you know, to double this or triple that. You know, I look at it like a math equation. I look at this line and I say, okay, I need to multiply this line times two. Yeah. Or I need um, X amount of syllables in this line. And it almost goes into like, you know, Shakespeare with the iambs, the iambic pentameter, mm-hmm. um, trying to kind of get a certain meter going. And so I have kind of a a good uh, a good eye for that type of thing. I like balance in my songs. I like good, solid structure. I don't want it to be all over the place or kind of half hazard, I want it to be. I want it to, the structure to make sense. I want it to flow. Um, and then also when I'm singing, I get some funny comments about you know vocal comparisons sometimes um, because I have a weird way of pronouncing things when I sing that's even different than when I'm just speaking normally. So um, I don't know where it comes from. I think it definitely is su- some combination of you know the influence of what I listen to as a, a young as a younger person, mm-hmm. um, but. At some point, it sort of started becoming my own, and when i sing i I do have a an odd way of pronouncing some things, and it's just how it happens. I don't really try to Is there an example? you know i can ooh um it's hard to it's hard to really explain with an example' Cause, it's sort of because
0: when you sing. I feel there's a certain warmth in your in your voice. Mm-hmm. That that I won't say it's it's not southern at all, but it's,
2: it's
1: yeah, more, it's almost a it? little bit yeah. of a. Sometimes it's almost a little bit of a twang. Yeah, not, yeah, like not quite a country twang, but it does have that folkiness to it.
0: Folk, that, that's what it's I was sort was of more folk.
1: classic, like how classic country.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you said that's
1: unintentional. Yeah, it's not really intentional. I was singing a song for my friend the other day, and he goes. Why are you singing it with a Southern accent? And I go, I'm just singing it, man. (laughs) I'm not trying. And I noticed that. One of the greatest
0: singers comes from the South. What's
1: funny is I was listening to the couple last tracks that Adele put out Hello and the When We Were Younger or When We Were Young or something like that. And she sounds like she's a Southern girl. Like she Mm -hmm. sounds like she's from the American South. And I know, I obviously know she's, you know, not. She's a British lady. But it's really funny how. The voice will just tend towards certain, uh, I don't know, certain types of pronunciation or certain enunciations when you're singing a certain note. Um, I just try to do what I think sounds good. Well,
0: what kind of music were you listening when you were younger that influenced that?
1: You mm-hmm. A lot of pop music. Being, uh, being in sort of a sheltered school, I didn't really hear too much rock or alternative wh- wh- or indie until I was older in high school. Were so you- I would listen to bubblegum pop i was listening to n'sync NSYNC. spice girls britney spears christina aguilera but then i also had sort of an oldies influence from my mom and my dad playing um they would play like cat stevens she would play jewel jewel jewel's not super old but kind of that more folky influence um well it's like barbara streisand uh i would listen to i remember i had a celine dion cd she does have that kind of certain way of pronouncing things as well but Mm -hmm. she's french canadian which could maybe explain part of that the way that she pronounces some of her words when she sings um who else i did i i'm kind of the kind of person who falls in love with a certain song by somebody and i'll just listen to it to death i'll listen to it 20 times a day if i'm really that in love with it and so a few of the songs that kind of stick out for me were um Patsy Cline's walking after midnight. I'm hanging out with my sister one night, more dancing for the full moon, and she has this CD that she burned, and it, that song comes on. And I'm just, what is this song? It's so phenomenal. Um, so, you know, that little bit of a couple of Dolly Parton songs that really stuck out were Jolene. We'd listen to that. I remember listening to that because that tape with my sister. It's a good um, song. Like Jolene. Um, she actually did uh, "I Will Always Love You." That was originally her song. By Whitney kind of made it popular. Um, so I definitely do have that little bit of, slight bit of the classic country, which is maybe where my twang comes from
0: mm.
1: once in a while.
0: Now you mentioned how meticulous you can get when it comes to songwriting, mm. right? How do you, what do you feel your creative process is like when you write a song though? Like as far as subject matter or the kind of tone and emotion you want to put into the song. What where do you feel that that comes from?
2: There's a
1: couple things. Like some of my songs are, you know, written about, you know, the sort of feelings that come up from any kind of romantic entanglement. So a lot of times the I feel like in those cases the song kind of writes me. Like I'll I'll just know I have to pick up the guitar and I can't put it down until I've sort of come to a good stopping place where <clears throat> The rough draft is sort of there, the skeleton's there. Um, and then other songs, they kind of slowly evolve. Um, like, I, I have a song that I wrote, I um, started writing it in the fall last year called Crazy California Girl, and it started with this idea I want to write a song with only four chords. Because I was looking at all these songs I was listening to and enjoying, and I look it up, and I can't believe it's only a few chords. How are they doing this? The, you know, it's so simple. Um, and so I kind of gave myself that homework assignment and started playing around with the, the chords I liked um, and then had that sort of inspiration for the lyrics when I was out camping in nature um, and somehow slowly combined, you know, working on it a little bit over a couple months even, like a pretty long time. So it sort of depends on the song. Every song's a little different. Um, but a lot of the songs that are written out of just raw emotion pouring out, those usually are written very fast for me like the the song I'm singing you later I wrote it in one night the more than a friend or um, the song from SoundCloud Jack I probably wrote that in maybe two three days I was just kind of working on it consistently for a few days straight Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so it's really um, depends on my intention for the song and what kind of song it is but yeah usually things come out pretty organically for me I try to at least and then if I feel like I've kind of reached like a stale period where I'm not really writing a lot I try not to worry too much because I know that inspiration will strike again at you know when I'm least expecting it and sure enough it always does
0: yeah yeah that's something I'm learning too to say why are you so involved with so many things it's like well because I'm like not working on one thing so I'm also working on the other thing then I'm sure I'll come back around to it I don't know is that, in, is that similar to how you approach it? Do you feel?
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, if, I, um, if I'm if i not feeling super inspired on something, I try not to force it, give it time. Um, and then I definitely do have a lot of abandoned half songs and stuff like that that I could always go back to if I kind of reach another like dry spell where I'm not writing a lot or the dreaded quote-unquote writer's block.
0: How do you handle that? How do you handle writer's block?
1: Mm, I just go about go about living my life just keep going
0: hmm. I say that because you, you said writer's block in quotation marks so you're implying it doesn't really exist
1: yeah I think it's more mental than anything okay I think if you take if, if you feel a little bit of a dry spell it's good to acknowledge it and say you know I haven't really felt that inspired lately to write anything but you don't want to say I have writer's block because you're just perpetuating it I think hmm. I'm very into um like Louise Hay law of attraction that type of thing like the secret so if, if you're going to be saying it and thinking it and feeling it all the time, that's what that's what you're going to get more of. Um, mm-hmm. So I like to try to, I guess, affirm the positive. Instead, I'll kind of tell myself, you know, inspiration will come, like, at the perfect time. I don't have anything to, um, to worry about, you know? Just kind of try to stay positive.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we mentioned how you work your voice and how you're crafting your voice. Um, however, there's this point where... I think most creative people were like, all right, this is my voice. Do you feel like you find your voice yet? I say that in- I sh- I, for the listeners, because they can't see what I mean. Cause, like, quotation mark, the voice. Meaning the distinct sound that, that's you and, and only you.
1: I think, I think I'm definitely kind of starting to hit the nail on the head, especially with the last few songs I've written. Um, and just performing more frequently, you start to get more comfortable doing it. I definitely don't feel the stage fright like I used to. I've kind of ripped the band-aid off enough times that it doesn't really scare me anymore. You know, I get the butterflies still, but it's more excitement than anything else. Um, But, yeah, I actually, I do feel like I'm not, you know, so close to all of my influences that I sound exactly like them. Maybe when I was singing to the radio uh, when I I was younger, Mm -hmm. I sounded, you know, more like I was trying to copy them. But now that I'm starting to write my own material or kind of take cover songs and give it my own spin, I do think I'm kind of developing my voice or still kind of getting there. I would like to continue my music schooling and training this year. I'm going to start doing um, probably the program at Cabrillo College or maybe West Valley um, for music, just theory, voice lessons, that type of thing. Um, So I'd like to keep developing it, of course, but I get a lot of comments when I go perform that my voice is really you know different sounding like I haven't quite heard someone like you before Um, and I get a very large assortment of comparisons like Mm. I'll get I've heard Celine Dion I've heard um like Sheryl Crow that kind of Alanis vibe Paula Cole like it's a lot of different types of voices that I'm getting but I think it's because I don't really emulate any single one it's not like I'm you know listening what does she do to make it sound like that I kind of just kind of sing it how I would sing it
0: yeah wow I think that's a good spot to be I think
1: yeah I'm happy I'm happy here but I'm also (laughs) happy to keep expanding I want to keep finding my sound and for me now the I think the the real hurdle will be deciding what type of production I want to put behind my voice because production can kind of make or break your sound in my opinion
0: I agree completely and w- what kind of stuff are you looking to production?
1: Ooh, I'm kind of considering a few different things. Um, I do have a very beachy sound that's kind of evolving. I really feel kind a of... A beach
0: song. Sorry. Beachy song, you said?
1: No, a beachy sound. I feel like I have this, like, watery, beachy influence in my music that's ah. sort of, like, in the background. And right. so I'm considering maybe a little bit of, like, a surf rock or reggae sound. Right. Um, but then I also really love sort of more... Kind of old timey production, like someone like Amy Winehouse, where she's got horns and like a live drummer instead of very jazzy, you know, yeah, exactly. A little bit more of a jazzy or like classical, classic production is more like that. So, um, I'm kind of considering different things. It's it's um, it's tough, tough making decisions, but it, I think it's good to explore a lot of different options and see what sounds good.
0: What's the direction you want to take now? Where you at now? Where, where where do you want to see yourself in five years?
1: Who in five years? I'd like to be, um, getting my primary, um, you know, my primary job is would be music. I'd like to, you know, be touring, have CDs out, have a, you know a supportive and full band behind me. Mm. Um, I definitely want to keep pursuing music. I'm gonna get in school this year, hone my craft, get better at guitar, learn more technical knowledge. Um, because I think with the intuition and just, you know, getting my own sound together, I'm starting to get there. But I do need a little bit more technical um, knowledge and just keep practicing, a lot of practice. Yeah. Um, I'd like to find my band soon. I'm going to start. Um,
0: do they have a band name yet?
1: No. No, no I, w- I was debating about that. You know, do you get a cool sounding band name or do you, do I just use my name just in case I have band members that are kind of interchanging? Yeah, you know it's it's uh, it's a tough decision. A lot of decisions.
0: Right, I hear you. I hear you. And um, are you the only one in your family that plays music?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I think my dad played a little bit of keyboard in college, uh, but never very seriously. Um, My mom sings, but just for fun. She's never really been a a performer. Um, But I, yeah, I'm the only musical one in my immediate family how's that been um it's been pretty good they're definitely pretty supportive they've come out to a one of my shows last year and I could tell that they were pretty proud of me because they know I like to go play and I usually wouldn't play I would just you know close my door and practice quietly Mm -hmm. um but I think it was good for them to see that I'm actually out there doing stuff and making real music it's not just you know a little side hobby
2: right right
1: so they've been pretty supportive. Um, they're also supportive of me, you know, going back to school, and so that's that's always good to have that family support behind you.
0: Yeah, I, I figure I feel that's good because I think it's when a family doesn't really understand what you're doing, that's where things like you know, uh, like, they don't really understand it. They're like, hey, why, why, why this, why this? Why, why? Yeah. But well, I noticed that musicians who come from a background of like someone in their family also doing music. It, it tends to be a little not easier but in a sense like a little more supportive. but, yeah. it's, but it's good to hear that in your, in your case though it's like they're like they're not really musically inclined but they, they, they totally support you in what you're doing exactly which I feel is very important in everything creative is to surround yourself with supportive people.
1: I think so and all my friends are also super supportive they'll come out and see me play even if it's just open mic you know they'll come with me and watch me play a couple songs and cheer me on Mm -hmm. or take a little video for me so it's always really nice to know that I am supported and that definitely helps Uh, it's kind of this ongoing cycle with the confidence and the support so the more support you get the more confident you'll be and the more you allow yourself to be confident the more you allow yourself to be supported it kind of goes in hand in hand
0: yeah, amen to that. Amen to that. And on that note, uh, we're pretty much reaching the, the hour mark here. Oh, wow. And um, Went by fast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Having fun.
0: <laughs> and uh, any upcoming shows, plug-ins, or where can people check out your music?
1: Um, so I do have a website um, that has little links to my social media, um, or you can search for me on social media. My name is Christine De Colleen, um, but it's a little hard to spell because uh, the last name is French. It's actually my stage name. Um, So it's Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, Day, D-E-S, Colleen, C-O-L-L-I-N-E-S. So it's christinedaycolleen.com. You can also search Christine Day Colleen on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and you'll surely find me. So I'm happy to connect. Also SoundCloud. I do have a SoundCloud now, too. Um, So I'm happy to connect with people. Shoot me a message if you like my song or if you want a free demo of my latest work because I've got some some stuff I've been hoarding. So for those that are interested, I'm always happy to kind of give sneak peeks or little previews.
0: And there's a song going to perform for us. Yes. What's it called?
1: It's called More Than a Friend.
0: Is there a story behind this one?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was 19 years old and I still hung out with my crowd from high school, you know, the Sort of metalhead dudes, and I had a big crush on my ex-boyfriend's older brother, and you know that wow. that's just a bad idea. You don't <laughs> you don't date your ex's family members. That just is a bad idea, and obviously didn't work out. Yeah. But I wrote this song when I was crushing pretty hard, and so it it was one of those three a.m. write it in an hour kind of songs, and I I was a lot less um I guess practiced in music back then i would just play once in a while for fun you know when i had a free moment Mm -hmm. i wasn't actively writing or anything it just it was one of those songs that just poured out Mm -hmm. it's kind of cute it's cutesy it's a cute song
0: song. all right let's go check it out
2: There's something about you that keeps me coming back for more But there's something holding me back I feel so torn, but deep down I know that I care for you Always more than a friend I want to kiss you up and down and all around I never wanted to end So tell me how to convince you that I'm the one for you right now. It's just